everybody. This is Natalie. This is Sam. This is Elizabeth. And we're your hosts of Wisterhood, a podcast by Women in Science Portland. Wisterhood is our community of support for women in science and their allies. And today we're here to talk about interdisciplinary approaches to science. Interdisciplinary is a new buzzword working its way through the scientific field across funding agencies and university systems. Interdisciplinary science acknowledges that the problems that we face today, like climate change and disease, are incredibly complicated and can only be solved through a variety of different fields and disciplines together. On a slightly smaller scale, problems in bioengineering, social sciences, and government can also benefit from experts in a variety of fields. Historically, scientific fields have been siloed. Originally, the idea of interdisciplinary study and work came from the social sciences with philosopher Michel Foucault. He thought that the separation between disciplines actually established a hierarchical structure (laughs) that reinforced the power of a small subset of people with access to education, money, and resources. During the Vietnam War, a shift began to happen in academia towards a desire for different disciplines to collaborate on social issues that were prominent, like anti-imperialism, feminism, and civil rights. Today, words like multidisciplinary and collaboration can be seen on almost any college pamphlet or grant application. Research teams and working groups continue to be formed across departmental boundaries. Organizations have continued to mold their systems around the idea of interdisciplinary advancement. It's clear that it won't be going away anytime soon. So I kind of wanted to come back on the choo-choo train of knowledge after a brief break in our podcasting to talk about like interdisciplinary science. And I just, you know, wanted to have the conversation that like, how does this work in practice? And you know, how does it not work in practice at times um, if it, you know, if that ever does happen? Um, so for, for you all, what are some like examples that you can think of from like when you were in school or like in your work now when you have to work across a variety of fields um, to get something done? Yeah, I think when I started college, I mean, it was always, it's always been, I feel like a buzzword. Um, it at least at first I didn't really see it and I feel like it sometimes could be a little like they were saying it was interdisciplinary but it was still somewhat siloed where one group would work on their one thing and then like pass it over the wall to the next group and then then they're like oh we're being interdisciplinary which realistically like it's on the right path but it's not quite there um but as I got further into college and also just being exposed to more of like the on-campus labs and things like that some of them truly were interdisciplinary when they had people from different colleges. So like College of Engineering, College of Sciences, things like that working together um, to solve problems. And I feel like um, a lot of workplaces, at least in my field of like medical devices are really getting good at doing that as well, especially orthopedics, which is the area I'm in, where my work, we have all different types of engineers where it's whether you're like a product engineer from like a biomedical background or a mechanical engineering background or a material science background or we have chemical engineers we have manufacturing engineers like we have lots of different people working together to solve these problems which i think is really great we also work closely with surgeons which obviously we need to if we're making devices for them 
And I think that it really does just make the solutions to problems so much better because I have no idea what a surgeon knows. I also being on the product engineering side of things have no idea the amount of knowledge that a manufacturing engineer knows. And it's like, yeah, you may design something, but realistically you can't manufacture it. And it's like knowing those things ahead of time as far upstream as possible while you're solving problems makes a huge difference in the long run. Instead of that old traditional, one group works on it, you throw it over the wall, the next group works on it. And they're like, wait, we can't work with what you gave us. They throw it back over the wall. <laughs> and so I think, at least from what I've seen, like being, places are getting better at it, but it's still not as like streamlined as, as it could be, I think. Yeah, I'd be curious to ask, like, do you ever have like people from like non, do you ever like work with people from non-STEM backgrounds? Um, or is it mostly like the types of engineering and like the, the fields like within kind of the medical umbrella? Within our work, we do work with people who are from non-STEM backgrounds. It's not anything, it's not like we don't work with just some random like journalist or whatever, but um, we have uh, a lot of, you know, sales reps that work directly with the surgeons and seller devices. They're from though now being in orthopedics and medical devices, even though they're a sales rep, they're in a STEM umbrella, but that's not their expertise and their background. It's much more business. Um, we also have a lot of marketing people that we work with that understand that aspect of it as well. And I think their inputs are highly valuable. I mean, they're the ones who understand yeah, the business, the marketing, what people are looking for, the changes in the market and how it's being projected throughout the years. And it's like me just doing my engineering work every day. Like, I don't know that stuff. And, so, and those are things that are really important. Do you think you would have like benefited from um, like getting exposed to that sort of thing while like concurrently with your engineering education? Like, do you think it would have served you to like at least know a little bit about the marketing to understand like maybe where um, like the people who are actually working in, in sales or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, like where they're coming from? Or do you think that like the collaboration um, is like, I guess, good enough? Personally, I like to understand it myself. And I think that's one thing I really like too, just about being able to work with so many different people from different areas of expertise is that you get to kind of learn high level what they do and what they contribute. And I think that that makes you a better team too, is if you understand like who knows what, and you're not the expert on everything, but you also can understand where they're coming from and maybe contribute, you know, everyone has different life experiences, have different educational experiences. And so even if you may not be a marketing guru, you can maybe still ask some good, you know, thought provoking questions to help your marketing counterpart really get the best solution. So I, I do think that it, it, it is helpful, especially nowadays. It's like being in STEM doesn't mean you're just some number cruncher. Like you need to be able to think beyond the numbers and beyond the design. And I think having even just little snippets of business and things like that is, would be really beneficial. I, I agree with a lot of the things that Sam said. Um, I was tying it more to my college experience where we all go through a subset of the colleges within school. Like I was the College of Natural Resources and Conservation, right? And I have a background in environmental education, but in the same buildings we had uh, students 
uh, learning environmental policy and law. We had students learning about uh, recreation and how to work with park systems and things like that, right? Um, and so it's nice to know that we're all aiming towards the same goal, even if we're learning different parts of it. And I think that's that's a really good thing. Um, like Sam said, like you need all these different perspectives, even if like they're not the same as your own, because obviously how are you gonna fix something if you only have one mindset? Um, my only concern with the interdisciplinary is the whole too many cooks in the kitchen scenario, because like for my classes, I also had to learn a little bit of uh, policy and law, not an extensive amount. So when you had the students that their whole life was dedicated to policy and law, uh, anybody else who spoke in that class was like death stare daggers like you know know anything why are you even in here so sometimes that that can happen and that's like where I worry but but I do agree that like you need all these different perspectives and it's good that um, for my college that they were able to divide it this way I'm not sure how other colleges work but I hope they do the same it's so interesting like the thought about like putting like just like different sort of departments or different sub departments in the same like physical space. A lot of the high schools are getting rebuilt right now because apparently in Portland Public Schools, there's only been like two schools that have been built after World War II. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised I've seen some of those buildings, but <laughs> that's so crazy to think about. Yeah, it was, it was not great. Um, my high school is getting rebuilt and they were like trying to figure out like, how do we like redesign this? Um, and one, one discussion was like, practically speaking, like putting science labs next to each other makes most sense for like the pipes and yeah. I don't know, I'm not a structural engineer or whatever, but like to like, you know, you'll need special sort of things to deal with the things that come out of science labs and into labs. Um, but like, maybe it would be kind of cool if like you could have like the bio lab right next to like ceramics, right next to like, I don't know, English or whatever, and just like to see what would happen. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, you know, do you think that like the physical space like really did make a difference or is it just like namby-pamby, like people who like think thoughts that <laughs> don't end up happening in practice? I would rather it be a mix like ceramics next to science and English and all that. Um, yeah. But that's just a personal preference. I don't, I'm not the type of person that likes the herd mentality and I feel like when you put people who have the same career goals or the same mindsets or even studying the same thing in one room obviously there's going to be us versus them and that's always a scary thought um, because you're either in the mass or you're not like there's no other option like you're caught in the in the in the middle um, but I, like for the way my college was I guess divided into um buildings is the science labs were all the way in the back um and then all the English ones you had to climb um like 10 almost 10 flights of concrete stairs because it's all hilly so either you go on the stairs or you have to go around um through the forest to the football field up a hill yeah I know it's really confusing but like 
it just makes it that much harder to want to kind of interact with different electives or things like that because you have to run from one side of campus to another and it's already very tiring like um but luckily uh on my like where i where my dorm was the ceramics lab and um scrap metal lab was right there so on my way to my science classes I got to see their projects because they would display them outside so that was pretty cool like obviously I didn't interact with them but at least I got to see what was going on in that building that's so interesting that like there's the idea that like physical space can encourage like different types of thinking and like and encourage different friendships and stuff like that just because like I think a lot of times like STEM kids can be really insufferable and I say this like as a STEM kid like because like we don't know anything else and it's like we kind of lose sight of like what matters yeah I mean I would have loved to have something like that I mean I understand like you said structurally why they organize everyone together because it's like your classes are together your labs are together it just makes sense it's probably more efficient in that way to do it but I do agree like especially at being engineering major in college also somewhat inseparable at times we all get you know in these groups of just like you're so competitive you're kind of obnoxious like you just can't think of anything else besides you know your classes it's like it would be nice to be around you know other types of majors more often to be forced to because then it's like you more more likely than to collaborate with them on different things um I suppose that's the point of maybe some of like elective classes and taking everyone in from different areas. Um, I mean, it kind of flows in, I think, into workplaces too, where there's the different, you know, concepts of like open concepts, cubicles, like sectioning different departments off or intermingling. Like I know companies have tried everything and it's just kind of depends on your goal. But I think that it's interesting too. It kind of goes from school into the workplace and physical space really can make a difference in some instances. I think it's a little bit of a disservice though if you put everyone who's like-minded in one room or in one section of the school. For one, it's not a fair reflection of society. You're not going to walk out your front door and be like, that kid is an engineer. Let me go hang out with him because I know him. I understand his mindset, right? Like, and if you're already shy enough that that just makes it worse you you are, you're always going to think that when you walk out the door that person is going to be just like you and so i think it's a it's a real disservice not only because obviously like i said it doesn't reflect society but it's not allowing you to reach your full educational potential like i i love what i studied but i also wish i had a little bit maybe like in uh, communications or maybe a little bit more in um Uh, fundraising or grant writing or something like that like a little bit more in depth that would have helped and um, it's hard because I think it's also hard because colleges are very like here's your criteria here's where you get all your check marks make sure you check them and then you're good to go and so putting us all in the same room isn't really helping us putting us all in the same box to check off isn't really helping us and I know and I like I'm not dissing interdisciplinary or anything like that I'm I'm really not but I just want whatever our students see in school to reflect their actual lives that they're going to see outside because otherwise we're just going to get stuck in one mindset and when it doesn't work in that mindset we're going to have panic attacks. We're going to freak out. We're not going to know what the next step is. Or at least I would if, if I knew that my entire K through 12 life was this and then college was the same. And then all of a sudden you put me in a workplace and you're just like, here you go. Here's your people. Figure it out. It's just like, what? What? Can I go home now? <laughs> <laughs>
what you said uh, kind of just now and also like what you said earlier about like, you know, people being kind of snots about like, oh, like lies my entire life and what you're saying is dumb or like whatever. Um, it made me think about how um, I came across this paper in this journal called Life Sciences Education in 2019. Um, that talked about how like one thing that is key to sort of like interdisciplinary understanding and collaboration is something that like the authors called disciplinary humility, um, which they define as um, requiring someone to remain cognizant of limitations to their knowledge and skill as well as their personal biases. And so I think like, I guess that might be an instance where disciplinary humility um, is important even in like a skill in an area that like you have been trained in. And I think also like, I would hope, I it's, it certainly seems like actually the more you specialize in something, the more you know about something, the more you realize that like, we don't have a clue and like, or like this thing doesn't work. Um, like, I hope that, you know, someone studying law would end up realizing that like, it doesn't really serve everyone and it doesn't really, you know, there, there are some issues. And so I think like, you know, maybe, um, you know, just that like example seems to highlight kind of a need for students and people in different industries to have a little bit of disciplinary humility. I don't know. What do y'all think? I'm just going to quickly join her uh, Sam snaps. <laughs> I love it. I love some disciplinary humility. We yeah. all need it. <laughs> like, I just made me automatically think of, you know, this past year and a half or whatever and COVID and everyone thinks they're a immunologist or a doctor or a scientist. I'm like, guys, stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah. Stay in your effing lane. Right? And I mean, I can be guilty of not staying in my lane. I mean, I think inherently sometimes, like you said, that's typical STEM snot, or you're just like, I'm so smart. I know everything. Like, or you want to, you genuinely want to is the thing too. It's like, you wish you knew and you like, don't want to admit that you don't know. I feel like it's sometimes a lot of people's problem too, is just the bravery and confidence to be like, yeah, I don't know. And that's fine. And that's something I've had to learn and grow with over just my school age years and being now in a professional career, especially now I feel like being in a professional career college, it was very much like competitive and you're like, I'm not gonna admit I don't know it because they're not, they obviously know it even though they probably also didn't. You're just kind of playing chicken with each other, I feel like. But now, especially being at, in a workplace where I feel like we truly are interdisciplinary that someone's going to know if I don't know it because they will actually know it. And so, and it's important too, because you don't want to mess up this product you're making just for your own, you know, to stroke your ego and things like that. And so I have to do that, you know, from time to time. And I think um, I've gotten more comfortable with it just as time has gone on because I feel like I'm more confident in what I do know and what my expertise actually is. And so I'm okay being like, yeah, I don't know that. And that's okay. I'm going to go find somebody at my office that does know it and either get their help or ask them their advice because they're way smarter than me on the topic. 
and I'm going to stay in my lane and not look like an asshole. <laughs> and so I just think it's huge. And it really does, I feel like, make for a much more comfortable, collaborative environment too. So you're not stepping on people's toes and pretending like you know more than they do in their specific area of expertise. It's always good to ask questions and try to get people thinking. Even if you aren't maybe an expert in a field, just be like, hey, from my perspective, this is what it sounds like. Am I correct? Am I not? Like, where can we take this? I think being encouraging in those ways and still being included maybe in those conversations is good, but you also can't just be like, I know exactly what's going on and I'm going to lead this conversation, even though you actually don't. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that reminds me. Um, uh, I'm, I'm like currently working um, in sort of like delirium, dementia, Alzheimer's research. Um, and one thing that my like advisor person, professor person says a lot is she's like, you should always like try to work with engineers just because they think in really different ways than we do. Um, being like kind of uh, more classically like science, science as opposed to like, let's solve this problem. And I, I really do think that like, especially like just hearing about like what my engineer peers have to like go through is just so different from like they have to like their whole mode of education is like how do we solve this problem as opposed to like how can I solve this problem set um <laughs> and I think like um that's really important and I think like the other thing that it also like as you were talking I was reminded of is like like the more we learn about something I think hopefully the more we learn that like there are severe limitations to our knowledge and also like our way of knowing and like I've been I've been reading this book it's called In Pain um and it's about like a bioethicist's personal struggle with um opioid addiction it's by Travis Reader um and kind of what it reminded me of is that like you know doctors are you know trained to sort of treat or like you know arguably they're trained to treat pain like they're they're actually not you know as trained as we think they are but um you know they're trained to treat patients for sure um but at the end of the day like the person who's like the most expert on their own pain is the patient and so when we like talk about disciplinary humility i think like you know especially for doctors who spend their entire lives sort of you know, getting trained for this like one thing and they think that they're, they might think that they're, you know, in a prestigious position or at least in a position of power. Like it's important, I think, um, like for, for people who have that sort of expertise to also um, like still have the disciplinary humility to say that like, you know, the person who is, who is a, the best expert on like their own experience is the patient, not not me. And I think like that's, especially an opioid prescription and pain management, like it's just difficult because pain is relative and you, like there's really like a, uh, you know, pain can exist without any like physical reason why it might. Um, and it puts doctors in a, in a tough position, but not to like veer off the, the beaten road or whatever, but like I just, just as like to serve as an example of where I think like this idea of expertise is uh, like a little bit more put into question because our ways of knowing are all different. Yeah, no, totally. And I think it ties in well to just interdisciplinary work in general where you should always have the end user, the patient, whoever that may be in your industry, 
in that loop in some sort of feedback. You know, you can't just assume as the professional in the workplace that you know how to solve everyone's problems just because you have some sort of set of education and skills. You always have to consider the end user and what they need in their input. And I mean, that's part of it. They might not be directly working on the problem to solve, but they should be included in those talks. Yeah, I agree. Um, humility in general is something that we all need. It, yeah. like Whether it's about your career or not. But um, I think one of the, the hardest things about disciplinary humility, at least coming up in the future is going to be, is that you have Google at your fingertips. You have WebMD, and I get it, I get it. I'm not a doctor. I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, like Google my symptoms and be like, well, WebMD said this, no. But but I also think that like, when you don't know something, you're curious, so you Google it. But there are certain people who accept that knowledge gracefully, and there are people who accept the knowledge as like, well, now I know the latest thing. Like, I'm, I'm aware, I'm on top of this topic. And I'm like, you know, very attitude-y right now. <laughs> because I, I feel like that's what happens. And so we lose that disciplinary humility when we have that access in our hands. Before, you had to go to like 20 encyclopedias to find one thing. So like, it was it was like a, a reward to learn that knowledge, right? Like you felt accomplished. But now you pull out your phone and you're like, oh, I want to know the three, I don't know, principles of engineering or whatever. I don't actually know how many there are. But, you know, and then like, <laughs> I'm not an engineer. I'm never going to be one. Um, so like, and then all of a sudden you feel empowered. You're like, oh, I know this. But you feel empowered to the point where it's like, I know something that person doesn't know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, so for me that that's where, why I said, first of all, humility is something we all need, not just disciplinary humility. And that's my, my concern moving forward. Yeah. And it's like tough to teach. Like, I, I don't know, since you're like very in the like education world, like are, are there conversations happening on like how, how, like how does one teach kids to have disciplinary humility? Or is that just something they have to like character build on their own? Um, it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's obviously something that you learn um, in your household as well as in school. But one of the things that for Mesa, they prefer that everybody works in teams and accepts a role within that team. Um, and then that's that's their role. Like if they if they want help, obviously they ask for help. But it's not, oh, well, Bobby's an engineer for this project. So I have to be one too, even though I was assigned the uh researcher or whatever you know um so and they trade off so it's not like they're always in the same role so they're learning about the different roles so that's for for this program I think that works I I'm not sure like in K through 12 and like their actual classrooms how they would be learning that just because I'm not in that um but I would assume there's something similar that's happening I think I think that's why there's so many team-based projects because you're learning how to work with other people and other mindsets and things like that. Thus far, we've been kind of, we've been mostly saying good things about like interdisciplinary approaches. And, you know, if there's one thing that I might add, I think like, I, Foucault, kind of like what Sam was talking about earlier, the philosopher who kind of, you know, at least put these ideas to paper in a way that we recognize now is um, 
that it, it, one thing an interdisciplinary approach might do is prevent us from having sort of a hierarchy of disciplines where like some disciplines are considered like better or more um, expert in something than others. And I think that it's a good thing that we don't have that, um, especially because I think um, we, we tend to think about, you know, just specifically the hard sciences in a definitely a hierarchical manner um, in a way that you know, as we have talked a lot about, you know, will affect who ends up going into those fields, like physics versus medicine versus nursing, like, you know, look, you know, looking at the, the, the breakdown of those fields and also, you know, the perception of, you know, how intense or rigorous or whatever they are, um, you know, it could be, could be kind of a good thing to kind of dissolve that. And I think the other, the other pro that I would say is like, I really like, I did not know before kind of sitting down to read articles about interdisciplinary science that like it came out of social sciences. Where it came from was like during the, like, I don't know, the eighties, people were like, wow, um, anti-imperialism is something that we need to be focusing on. And there's no way that we can do that just in like one department. And I think like, you know, returning to that sort of mindset to tackle things like climate change in particular is a big one. Um, but also, you know, like it's still like, you know, intersectionality and feminism and like, like we need, I think, you know, uh, many scientists might be like, I don't have a part in that conversation. Um, but I would maybe, you know, say that we would need to kind of revisit, you know, the fact that like, having an, a college degree in something is not the only way to know about it or to have experience in it um, and to like contribute to a solution. Um, and so I think like, you know, there there's some like really great things about interdisciplinary approaches to science, but I think we should also, you know, there are definitely some, some words of caution we might, uh, we might have, and like Elizabeth, I know you've like talked a little bit about like, you know, what happens when people don't have disciplinary humility, but is there like anything else that comes to mind in terms of like things that, things that could go wrong? I think it's hard for people to move away from a hierarchy. Yeah. Um, just mindset in general, like there's always like, this is the top, this is the middle, this is the bottom, right? Like, and it's about everything it could, it could be as simple as shoes these are the best shoes these are mediocre shoes these are the worst shoes you know like that and and I know like that that's a silly example I do understand that but I I, I think it's very hard for people to move away from hierarchy specifically in the sciences and I think it's based on selfish reasons and I'm not trying to insult any scientists or any science discipline out there but you have like doctors who sometimes uh, have that God complex. Mm -hmm. They're number one because they can save or not save lives. That's a whole different, I guess, conversation in itself. But um, I think I'm such a Debbie Downer today. I think I'm just worried about everything that could go wrong. So that's like what I'm talking about. <laughs> we need that. <laughs> hey, you gotta think at it from both sides for sure. Yeah. I think something else. Yeah, I mean, I'm very like, Pro interdisciplinary as we've been kind of talking about but I do think a potential yeah word of caution potential con to interdisciplinary work is just people could potentially lose 
the ability to really dig into an issue and dig into areas they don't understand because they'll over rely on their counterparts who do understand those parts of the issue. Um, I think it could be avoided, obviously, so that's why it's more of like a word of caution to everyone out there, but it's like, even if you're not an expert on something, it shouldn't stop you from trying to learn more, trying to understand better, trying to be a holistic individual in whatever area you choose to work in or learn about in school. I feel like you can always learn more from your counterparts. You can always learn more about what they do and try to apply it to what you do. And so I think that that could potentially be a downfall though is eventually, you know, you're like, oh, Jim over there, he knows how to do that part. I'm not even gonna touch it. I'm just gonna forward this email to him. He's gonna deal with it. Oh yeah, I know this part. That's gonna go to Jane. She's bomb. She's got it. Like I don't need to even understand what's going on because they have it covered. And I think that would be really sad because I think that's a huge uh, benefit of being interdisciplinary is that you get access to those people and you get to make yourself, I think, a more holistic, better worker, individual, what have you from that. But laziness, culture, whatever you want to call it could potentially cause people to just be like, it's fine. Someone else is going to take care of that. <laughs> and I think it's good to stay inquisitive. Or like there's a balance between like answering that email all by yourself because like you had an interdisciplinary education, even though that's not an area in which you're trained. Um, Right. There's a balance between like those two things. And, you know, it's, you know, I think about it now and it seems tough to, you know, find the line where you're like, hey, like Betsy, like I just got this email and I thought this, 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 but I know you're actually trained in this. So like, what do you think? Uh, or like whatever um and I think that's a great way to do it kind of what you said at least that's what I try to do is when I'm presented with an issue that or a problem that I don't know much about but I think I can get through it I'll at least determine a solution on my own present that solution so it looks like I'm actually actively trying and then be like okay this is what I think what do you basically what do you think about what I think am I looking at this the right way do you have any recommendations or feedback so that it really is still a collaborative environment. You're not just like shoving it off to the next person and you're still trying. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I think like, you know, the the broader, you know, theme behind that is like in practice, this stuff gets a lot more messy than like us just being like, yeah, like we'll be interdisciplinary, like, oh, it'll be so great. Um, I mean, and there's like the practicality of it is tough. Like we talked about, um, you know, when we like set up building designs, like just the piping and wiring of like, you know, having multiple STEM labs in different wings of a building is really tough. And like, you know, I think about issues with like, I mean, universities are already huge bureaucratic nightmares. Um, and I don't even go into like a particularly big one and it already is like, them. I have questions. Um, <laughs> and, you know, just the thought of like, all right, like what happens if like a lot of classes are cross-listed or like what happens when there are professors in multiple departments? Like, how do you figure out who's going to pay them? And like, how does curricula work? Um, and, you know, I think especially a lot of like very type A, you know, academics or like, you know, people who, who have, um, you know, gained a lot of like experience in something or, like this, are, are more likely to be like, you know what, like, it's just so, it'd be so much easier if I just did it all myself. 
which is like, obviously, you know, that is not disciplinary humility, but, uh, <laughs> but it certainly is like, you know, um, maybe a more like real, real side to all of this is that like, it's just, it would take a lot of both personal and institutional buy-in for any of this to work. Um, and so that, I think that would be really tough too. Your example made me think of like in high school when you're um, in a group project. Yes. <laughs> but you don't trust the other people. So you're just like, it's, it's okay. I'm going to do it. You can write your name on it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like K through 12 education made a lot of us that way. Mm-hmm. I, mean, it's terrible. I mean, it's not terrible. It's just, it's hard. It's really hard to balance those groups of the different kids when they're developing and, um, you know, me personally being that kid that's you know like labeled the smart kid they're like oh I'm gonna put you next to the unproductive kid try to rub off on them or something and really just makes both kids unhappy and it's the same like put you in groups of varying skill levels which you should do because you should be able to learn from each other but at the same time it's like when you're eight years old you're just like 12 I don't know you're just kind of like this is a nightmare like I feel like we help build I guess a better structure of like this is how you actually work together with different people than just like throwing them together and being like figure it out there is a there has to be a little bit of that because that's just real life you just got to jump in and figure stuff out when you're when you're kids it's kind of like you don't know and then you do you get those kids that end up doing all the work while the other kids don't do anything and then you get that mentality of like oh, when once you're graduating high school you're like I'll just do it myself don't <laughs> yeah so it made me think of like work, like at work right now. I don't know if you guys have heard of disc styles. It's it's like a little personality slash work ethic survey thing. And it tells you like what your work style is. So I'm a compassionate and sensible. So I, I like that. <laughs> <Good adjective. laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. So basically it says that I don't like uh, confrontation. I like to hear all sides. I am um, a mediator. Um, I take on responsibility. Like, oh, it has a whole bunch of lists, whatever. Anyway, so everybody in the company has to do it. And then once a month we get together and we're thrown into different uh, breakout rooms on Zoom. And you never know if you're going to get someone just like you or someone who's the complete opposite and then talks the entire three minutes that you have during your breakout room. And it's kind of nice because like there's a lot of people there's like I don't know 50 people that work for Centro that I don't actually know everybody and obviously I'm not going to get to know them in three minutes but but it's nice to know um like who they are because then uh you get a copy of um like their disc assessment and and in comparison to you so it'll show you like um x likes to do things with a deadline or whatever and then it'll show you Elizabeth does not work well with deadlines not true but anyway like you know that kind of thing so it's cool because now you know what you're getting into so if if schools could do something similar that would be nice obviously I'm not encouraging anybody to like give their students like a 40 page survey it's not that long but you know what I mean um and I think the other thing is like when when we work in such big organizations we have this over reliance on we know that person does that so let them handle it because I know like for me I do all partnerships. So if, if someone wants to come to the education department for Central, I am your face, I am your go-to. But let's say tomorrow I am in the hospital or I don't come back or whatever, right? 
no one else is the face of it so like that that's also not great because like even though you're included in the emails and all that stuff you, you don't have that relationship with that partner like the and there's the risk of losing that partner you know those kinds of things so I think that that's another part of the whole interdisciplinary yeah we work on the same team but do we all know the same things the same people are we actively working to know these people kind of thing I don't know if I went on a tangent no I think you really really dropped some knowledge there it really like made me think about like you know the compartmentalization of like specialty and knowledge and like you know when that like you were saying like that one person's in charge of one thing and they're like sick one day like that's what causes like institutions to be slow moving is that like they can't be like they can't be quick on the uptake you know in a big slow moving like paperwork and like departments and cubicles sort of environment like there's you want to own your job because you're afraid of you know you could lose it (laughs) if someone is better at it than you you know I'm not trying to like paint you know, brought more broadly that this is the case, but I do think that there is some cultural, like, you know, I own this, or, like, even, like, you know, a sort of, like, masculine, like, this is my job, and, like, you know, nobody else gets to have it, or this is my knowledge, and I, like, have the most whatever. I really did just go off on a tangent, you know, back away from the precipice. (laughs) (laughs) But it makes sense, because, um, like, for me, I'm the only person that works on the MESA program, like I I know the contracts the invoices all that stuff if I were for some reason not to show up for the next week luckily it's summer so there's not a lot to do but if we were in the middle of the school year it would just fall it'd be right there and then the next week I would have like two to three times the amount of work I had because I can't pass it on to anybody and like I do understand that mindset like this is mine I don't want to lose my job I need to be 100% at it um, but at the same time, my second shift is like, what do my students need? How do I help them? Because because I would feel so much guilt if something happened to me or if I, if I had an emergency and I had to leave, but my students weren't taken care of. And so it's like, yes, I want to keep my job, but I also want you to help my students. So how do we fix this? How do we meet in the middle? Um, kind of. Yeah. Oh, wow. I miss this. Like, knowledge was dropped. <laughs> facts were said um so I'm glad we we get to do this um can we do like a quick like life update slash something that is bringing you joy and then we'll wrap this up and get out of here I will be going to California for the 4th of July weekend my cousin is having her first baby shower Uh, she's gonna have a baby boy in August so I'm excited um I don't know if I've told you guys before, but I really like sewing and arts and crafts. So I bought some new patterns so I can make the baby some hats and bibs. So I'm really excited about that. Um, um, and I got some cool um, elephant and dino um, fabric. So I'm hoping she likes it. I don't really know what she likes in terms of baby things. So I'm just... Animals yeah. and dinosaurs, man, you can't go wrong. Like... Even for me, I'm like, I would like a dino shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I'll work my way up. I only know how to make small things so far. (laughs) You'll definitely, like, I I feel like I'd be very happy to have you as my, like, auntie who makes me elephant and dinosaur hats. So I feel like. It's so special. Yeah. I, I made a baby blanket about a month ago for my sister's best friend's baby shower. 
so she's really into um hello kitty so i made a double-sided hello kitty and i um put her, the baby's initials on them um so i was very happy i i didn't have a sewing machine at the time so i did it by hand but i think i i enjoy it more by hand because i just feel like i've accomplished 10 times more than if i do it by machine and um it has this really cool pattern around the edge it kind of looks like um I don't know if you guys have ever seen that stitch, but it's just like a one loop, one loop, one loop. I don't, yeah. I don't know. So that's how I made it. And I think it looks really nice. So, so, so if you guys have any in the plans or if you just want a blanket, let me know. I will, I'm happy to make you one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, successfully moved my sister across the country, which was great. That was a lot of work, but I'm very happy I got to go and help my family and like see where she's going to be living for her residency and stuff. Just like incredibly proud of her and so excited for her to start that and just like hear all of the stories about residency and see how that goes. And so I just think that that's really great. And I mean, I we just got home like mid this week. And so now I'm just thankful to be home, relax, you know, be my dog <laughs> and just like feel like I have a little bit of a breather because yeah it was like chaos for a week but it was worth it so that was good yeah for me like I, I I'm not taking I'm taking physics over the summer for our listeners um wish me luck if I die please bring white flowers to my grave um so yeah anyway it, but it doesn't start until the 20th so like I'm kind of a free agent until then so yesterday was it yesterday? The day before yesterday. Um, my friend and I went to the beach with her new puppy and um, it was so fun. And can I just say, oh my gosh, we hit one of the best days at the beach, I think possible. Like it was not cold. It was like not too, not like terribly windy. And it, like I was just shocked, like Oregon coast really showed up that day because sometimes it can get real sort of stinky. Oh, yeah. Whenever you go and it's a good day, you're just like, I feel so special. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we like went on a Thursday so her puppy wouldn't be like overstimulated by all of like the people around. And so like it was quite deserted and we were just like good vibes, eating tater tots. Like there was nothing wrong. <laughs> Best days. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that was wonderful. Um, all right. Let us, let us say that that is it for today's podcast thank you so much for listening to wisterhood make sure to subscribe so you'll know when we drop more episodes and comment so more folks can find us or you could just tell people about us that's the best way to spread the word you can tell us your stories or ask questions you'd like answered on the pod you can email us at podcast at womeninsciencepdx.org we would love to hear from you and of course special thanks to homo post who designed your awesome cover art goodbye bye, bye.